Welcome to the Trailbreaker Podcast. I'm Aaron Feinberg. In this podcast, I explore what it takes to be a trailbreaker through intimate conversations with people carving new paths across the landscapes of business, art, and sport, we dig in on how to excel across seemingly disparate endeavors. What drives people who manage to succeed multidimensionally? Is it how they think? Is it meticulous planning and follow-through? Or is it some measure of delusional optimism? My guest today is Brooke Hopper, Global Marketing Manager for Live Cycling, the only comprehensive cycling brand dedicated solely to women. Brooke spoke to me from a tent in Baja, Mexico, and we discussed her mission to create a more equitable and inclusive cycling industry, how she manages a team of women leaders in the outdoor industry, and what aspiring leaders can do to create change within organizations. Good afternoon, Brooke, and thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So you are obviously someplace exotic. So please tell me, where are you in the world at the moment? (laughs) Well, currently I'm sitting in a tent in Baja, and this tent is actually my daughter's classroom as she works remotely. So I am uh, almost to the southern tip of the Baja Peninsula in what is called Baja California Sur. Awesome. And you guys were based in, in Ventura for most of the, I guess, the last few years. When did you guys take off and head to Baja? Well, we came down here for the holidays and we have a piece of property here that we recently purchased with some partners. And uh, once we got down here, we really enjoyed, you know, we've been coming down here for so long uh, that we decided the internet was actually better here. And with us all schooling and working remotely, we just said, what the heck, let's, uh, let's stay down here until we are beckoned back north, which will likely be uh, early April. Oh, it's coming to an end then. Yeah. Uh, spring break happens and then school is going to be switching uh, to some hybrid learning opportunities. And then I don't know about work. We're still working remotely. So uh, my husband and I will still be working from the house. So. Got it. And as a, for those who don't know, you are the global marketing manager for live cycling. And so you've been leading a team of women outdoor leaders during this pandemic and in an industry that has gone completely bananas, the cycling industry, the, you know, the biking, um, production, et cetera, has all kind of gotten, uh, gone through the roof. How has it been to lead remotely during this wild ride, particularly for your industry? Uh, for our industry, I'm not sure how, different it is from any other industry where people are trying to work remotely and learn how to function as a remote team. Uh, You know, it took me a year to realize that having our meetings back to back to back to back is not a good idea because then you never get a chance to stretch your legs or get the water you need to be drinking. So literally yesterday I said, let's make 45 minute meetings. It's like, took me a long time to realize this, but the reason I'm late to every meeting is because the other meeting ends at the same time as the next meeting begins. So there's been some little challenges like that, 
uh, and then big challenges where my team is super collaborative, where when we were in the office, you would likely see us all crowded in one conference room sitting on the floor and just drawing out the everything that we were doing from a brand campaign to product launches and making sure that we're all very aligned. And now that we all work remotely, being on Zoom together just doesn't create that same, you know, the same energy boost that you get when you're actually in person and building off of others' ideas. So it's been a challenge. I'm grateful for the women on my team. And it's because of them that I've been able to kind of, uh, you know, keep this work remote life going and actually um, do what we need to do uh, as if we were in the office. You've got a great group of ladies that you that you work with. It was a pleasure getting to spend some time with them. And I know that that collaboration is one of your values as, as a leader. What would you say are some of the other ones that, that you really, really focus on and that are core for you? Core for me uh, is collaboration, but that is more of a byproduct of the type of teams that uh, I like to work with. And it's um, a team of women that bring so much strength of their own that we're able to really you know, perform and succeed in ways that we couldn't have even thought of um, without us all being together. Uh, so it's, from a leadership perspective, uh, it's been, you know, my ideals, I guess, are, you know, really focused on integrity and doing uh, what's right always, telling the truth always, being truthful and um, authentic to who we are as a brand, but also being good corporate citizens and making sure that what we are saying is what we are doing. And, uh, those, you know, from a leadership perspective, it's also like focusing on the why. I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek and his work, and I'm always focusing on on our why. And I'm grateful that we have a brand that was built, it's purpose built to get more women on bikes. And that allows us to think bigger, uh, not think only of sales, but really how to create a global movement and, uh, as a leader, I think just focusing on that why we're doing it and, you know, starting to understand why we aren't going to do something or when we should say no or do less with less um, to preserve our, our team, um, our team's health and well, well-being. Um, it's been challenging though. I bet. And I would do want to get into it in a minute about the, the focus and the trajectory of the company. And I, before we do, I want to pull back to something you said, which was you're really grateful for having strong women, you know, on your team. And that, that word strong means different things to different people, but what, how do you define it in terms of what makes a strong woman and what are you, what are the specific characteristics that you really appreciate in your team? That's a great question. Uh, strength can be represented in a lot of different ways. Uh, with our team, especially within our industry. Uh, I would define strength as um, someone who really is focused on building something and willing to um, do what it takes to, to get there. Uh, it takes a lot of resiliency. So it's strength, it's also resiliency because we're often uh, 
coming up against headwinds. Uh, there aren't other teams of women in the bike industry that get to do the things that we get to do. We are the only comprehensive cycling brand that exists that only focuses on women or puts women first. And people like to, you know, haters gonna hate and we've got to accept that along with all of the great the great feedback that we get from the work that we do. But we need to continue to focus on the vision, the mission, the purpose, um, and be strong about who we are and why we do what we do, and then be resilient when we face those headwinds. That's those are the women on my team. Awesome. And I thank you for making that distinction between your company and it's how it differentiates from some of the other companies that put women's bikes out into the market. So if I understood live cycling, it's women run women designed and primarily or only for, for women. And that could be your, your pro all the way through somebody who is, is new to the sport or does it stay, um, you know, kind of pro to more advanced and, and, um, and maybe not so focused on the beginner. Uh, we actually offer uh, options at every level. And so we're there for people, whether they're uh, on the podium or whether it's their first ride, uh, we want to be there and supporting them. And, you know, there are a lot of brands out there and um, our brand differentiator is that we put women first and we always have, and that, gives us the opportunity uh, to really, we get we get to put 100% of our resources into programming for women versus other brands that may need to make a decision like, oh, this year, maybe 30% of our marketing dollars could go to supporting women's programming. Uh, so for that, I feel very lucky that we are female founded, women led. Uh, we like to say we're for women, by women, with women. Uh, our community that we work with from our athletes to our ambassadors to any woman who rides a live bike. You know, we're there with content, uh, digital support for learning skills, nutrition tips, uh, learning how to work on your bike. All those things live on our website because we know that once you buy the bike, there's still a lot that you need to know or learn. And we want to be there to support them through their journey every step of the way. And without getting into numbers that you can't share, uh, at the high level, at least what I've seen locally in California is just a huge, a huge surge for people getting out on bikes and it being difficult to find a bike. And it's seeming like during this pandemic, people with uh, more free time, uh, well, we all, we all are struggling um, to balanced life, but it does seem like some folks, uh, at least being working from home, have been able to get out and ride a little more. Have you seen a surge in in the interest in your bikes? We have seen a surge of interest in all cycling uh, disciplines. So not necessarily only our bikes. I think that really any bike out there that can be purchased is people are wanting because to your point, people want to get out of the house in a way that's safe. Um, and, you know, it's great that so many people are joining uh, the cycling movement and are starting to understand and appreciate all the benefits cycling can bring to their lives. 
uh, for LIVE specifically, um, when we see women cycling growing, and that's exciting for us. We see uh, a lot of opportunity, and we also take on a lot of responsibility to, to find these new riders and to help them through their journey. And so we don't want it to be just during COVID that they're riding bikes. We want it to become a habit. As a marketing team, we're working on creating tools that will address those needs. You know, it's like, now you have your bike, now what? You know, the kind of, some of the basics that we already have covered, but really want to cover for new people in, into cycling. Thank you. So in terms of what Live Cycling's got coming up in terms of new initiatives or things that we should be paying attention to, what could you tell us? Well, it's already been a really busy year and I can't believe it's mid-March already. Uh, I have completely lost track of time during COVID. Um, but uh, two really big, exciting things so far for us this year. One is that we became the main title sponsor for uh, the Live Racing World Tour team. So that's women competing at the upper echelon of road racing. And we are the name sponsor and we revealed a really amazing uh, brand, uh, branding for, I guess I would say, um, what I describe it, just this beautiful kit and uh, brand identity for the team. And it's really making heads turn and the, they're also winning. So it's been really great to see some early wins and coming up, they'll be racing in the first ever women's Paris-Roubaix. So that's a race that's been happening for quite some time. And this will be the inaugural race uh, on April 11th. And uh, I, fingers crossed, nothing happens. So it doesn't get canceled like it did last year, but uh, look for the Live Racing World Team um, on, that, on that race for sure uh, and help support women's road cycling. Uh, they do amazing things and it's a pleasure to be uh, partnered with them. That's a real fun part of my job. Another fun part of my job is our annual brand campaign, which is something we do each year around this time so that we can bring people uh, into the fold of our brand. Some people may not know who Live Cycling is or what we're about. So this campaign really focuses on the what we're about uh, and it's been uh, so much fun year after year, sort of evolving what that means and what that looks like. And last year, our brand campaign was all in the, you know, it was in the can, ready to go uh, for the launch in March. And that was, you know, when everything kind of changed. And so we had to put that on hold. And once we decided it was appropriate to start talking about our brand again, we looked at all those assets and thought, Ooh, these all feel pre-COVID. And that was a kind of a new thing for us to realize is like, uh, you know, you can look at a video or a photo and see like, oh, that feels pre-COVID. And that meant something to us for the first time ever. Uh, so we sort of had to redo that. And this is sort of the continuation of the Live Committed campaign. And it really highlights the resilience of our community, not only our riders or racers or ambassadors, but anyone who tags live committed uh, in a social post, we were really inspired by how creative people were being to still ride inside or to you know, learn how to do drills in their driveway. 
to, you know, really supporting one another through the hard times. So I'm excited to launch this campaign. We'll be live on uh, March 23rd, which is a Tuesday, uh, starting with a hero video that I, I think will set the right note of, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to hope for the best and uh, celebrate and um, bring the stories of those in our community um, up to celebrate um, in a really big way. Amazing. So we can tune into this in a little while. And when, what, what's, how do we find it? Where is it going to be launching or how do we, how do we locate it? Uh, well, you can go to livecycling.com and that's live-cycling.com. Uh, and you can look under the live committed page. Uh, also our Instagram and Facebook channels will have it as well. So, uh, just get on and Google live cycling, live committed, uh, all one word and it'll take you there. And live is spelled L I V. Is that correct? That is correct. Perfect. Perfect. So I want to shift gear. I want to shift gears a little bit, no pun intended, uh, because in addition to what we've discussed and, you know, who you are as a, as a woman leader in the outdoor industry, you have a lot of other interests. And so tell us a little bit more about what life outside the tent in Baja looks like. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, feel free to touch on some of the stuff that was in your world, even pre COVID and most, most importantly, things you've held on to. So the, the hobbies, the interests, or, even something that is brand new that we might not know about you that you, that has come to pass because of, of what has been going on in COVID. So what do, what do you got? Well, gosh, that's a, a big question, but, uh, you know, first and foremost in, in my life, uh, I'm a mom and I have a daughter who is turning eight years old next week. And I just realized I need to throw her a COVID birthday party again. And so trying to get creative with that, uh, that's definitely on the top of my list, but, um, you know, being a mom is very much, uh, has changed me, uh, because it's really changed my focus in both how I see the world and how I experience the world, because I'm, I'm doing it as, uh, you know, with her in mind. Uh, and I really love having her down here with us to, you know, live in a dirt lot and to climb trees and to not wear shoes and, you know, to have independence, but to also look at the stars every night and see the world around us and how, you know, Ventura is a great bubble, but it's a bubble, right? There's a whole world out there. And before COVID, we didn't have the opportunity to spend the time down here that we really wanted to. Um, and so this has really been, um, you know, the silver lining, I guess, of uh, all that we've experienced with COVID. Um, Outside the tent, it's quite obvious, uh, sort of some of the fun activities. There is the Sea of Cortez just down the street. And so for me, I love to get in a daily swim. And usually that means I have a 30 minute gap in meetings. And so I literally just run into the water and then run back. And that just gives me a little bit of, uh, you know, a new perspective. Uh, it's cold, so it also is very invigorating. Um, and it also just brings me closer to the place where I am and connects me to this great ocean um, with whales and dolphins and rays and, you know, turtles. It's just an amazing place to be. Yeah, you have a, 
from what you just said and what I know about you too, there's a, a piece of you that's pretty spiritual and, and pretty, you know, grounded into being connected at a pretty deep level of things. Is that an accurate statement? I would hope so. Yes. Um, I mean, I do feel very um, spiritual and connected to the earth and to, uh, to natural places. And it's really been a journey for me since I finished college, really to come around and have this really strong connection to natural places and to being outdoors. So this situation where I am now, we really are living outdoors because everything is on the same property, but it's not connected by anything. And so there's an Airstream trailer with a palapa where we sleep. And then there's outdoor bathrooms and showers on the other side. Then on the other side of the property, there's a outdoor kitchen. So we're constantly outdoors, even taking a shower to get back to my casita. I walk in the dirt, um, which is always something that never feels quite right, but um, I've gotten used to it. Uh, but I am a, a, a yogi. I practice yoga daily, and that's uh, been a big part of my life for the last 10 years or so, 10 to 15 years. And it's something that really um, connects me to uh, the universe, but also to myself uh, and to really understanding uh, what's really important in life and has helped me with gaining better perspective. Um, and that's also true of my meditation practice and also my podcast habit, which um, I don't listen to as much down here, but I have my my favorite podcast that I listen to for continuing and continuing that uh, inspiration and journey of learning because you know I I really believe that I'm a lifetime learner and you know I love what I do and I um I think what I do is you know being a marketer is like being a storyteller and I get to tell a lot of amazing stories uh but I also need to keep learning and um experiencing new things and that's the only way that I'll continue to learn and grow and down here, it's been great to see um, just the magic of the people, uh, the magic of the natural surroundings, and also just um, the way that it's brought my family closer together. That is amazing. And a perfect segue to the question I was going to ask you, which was about when you said, you know, what is really important in life or what really matters to you? And you've touched on in terms of nature and family, et cetera. What else would you add to that list? Uh, integrity is really important. Uh, that's something that is one of my sort of uh, guiding principles. And so it, it rings true to every aspect of life, including how you act, how you speak to other people, how you, um, how you move through the world uh you know not taking more than you give or trying to leave it a better place than when you arrived uh you know i think it's it's an important value and and one that can be overlooked at times when you know it's easy to say that you focus on kindness uh and those sorts of things and it's really when you put that into practices where i feel um, you know, your true nature shines and hopefully you're proud of that true nature. I know that I'm not always, and I like to quickly uh, 
uh, you know, get back into a state of grace, acknowledging sort of where I've taken uh, a wrong turn and also um, use it as a teachable moment for myself or for my daughter if she's there with me. Um, you know, we're not perfect people or humans or animals. We're, we're all here doing our best and being the best version of ourselves. And it's a journey that starts with one step and um, at times feels like it's taking you for a ride as opposed to you being on the journey. Uh, but, I, but I do my best just to kind of keep everything um, sort of in a, in a state of union or continuity um, from my, what I believe to how I act. And that goes for how I, how I am at work and how I am with my husband and how I am with my daughter. It's, uh, it, it's hard times and it's, it's been really challenging and just, you know, I guess doing the best job that I can, um, is where I, where I try to be. Yeah. And I'm, you're doing pretty darn well. And it's, uh, it's nice to hear that, you know, I think we, as outsiders, you know, we can put people on pedestals, you know, those who seem to have the job or the adventure life or the family or the, you know, the, what gets put out into social media. And I think to hear candidly, you know, all of the sweetness as well as an honest, you know, account of, of what it is really going on when it's not so sweet, I think is, is really refreshing to hear. And, not to jump us around too much, but when you were talking about that integrity and, and how you live it and push forward, et cetera, anything you could share pulling back to the world of work, you know, if somebody is an aspiring leader, you know, in any industry, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any tips or tricks that you found over the course of your career to really be comfortable, confident, and create change within organizations because it's really important that organizations continue to change and for all of the ways and reasons you're describing. So if you were to pass on any gems or wisdom, what would you tell people to double down on or to to feel courageous to go do? That's a great question. Um, I think back to, you know, my career at the North Face uh, where I was so I just think back to it and being so young and eager to, to change the world. And I'm still eager to change the world, not quite as young, but it, it takes a lot of, uh, you know, tenacity and uh, knowing what you want and knowing that there are, is, uh, if you firmly believe that something is a better way to do it, there needs to, you know, you have to, kind of start at the grassroots and, and bring it up to the to the tops to get them really uh, bought into what it is that you think is such a great idea. I look at sustainability when that was just starting as something that was important. And, you know, I was a volunteer with a, um, you know, a wearing a ribbon saying, recycle, you know, ask me any questions about recycling in the, you know, in the cafe at work at North Face headquarters. And it was, it was funny because we put so much work into it and we truly believed in it and we didn't take no for an answer, right? You have to be a little bit of a, uh, you have to kind of keep beating that drum in a way that is not going to get you fired, but will continue to bring support towards it. Um, You know, I think just being, being focused on framing it as why it's, 
the best thing for the organization and why it's going to be the best thing for the business, whether it aligns your brand values. That is using that language and those sort of key talking points to get maybe a, passion, a personal passion more integrated into your workspace, I think is important because that's what it is. It's a business, right? It's not your home. You know, you need to be kind of clear with the why. Again, we all know, it's, you may know it's a good thing, but why is it good for business or why should the business also do it? Yeah, really understanding who those audiences are, what do they care about and, and how to position and influence uh, the message so that it has the best chance of getting in those ears. You're really a lobbyist. I mean, I, I think back to my past career and even now, I mean, a lot of the work is politics. And um, what that means is how do you get what you wanna get done done in the most efficient way and so who do you need to buy in in order to make that happen? Sometimes you can, you know, it's three conversations. Sometimes it's 10 conversations. Sometimes it's getting a bunch of people in the room to make sure we're addressing all the concerns. But, you know, it's like you're, you're an advocate for your ideas and you need to continue to be a strong advocate and not feel down if it doesn't happen right away. You have to, you know, I remember I, had sort of, uh, I noticed that when I was at the North Face that there was a lot of uh, giving, a lot of good things that were happening sort of spread out amongst a lot of different teams um, all over the company. And working with uh, Letitia, who is the Director of Communications and Sustainability, you know, we really focused on the outdoor participation rates of hmm. people getting into the outdoors being on a steep decline. Uh, so I saw this opportunity, like, why don't we create a department where all of the giving comes from and focuses on getting more people outdoors. So it's, you know, the North Face is a public company. So yes, it's great things to do. It's very philanthropic in nature, but also it's our 20 year, 20 year plan. You know, if there aren't kids getting outdoors now in 20 years, they're not going to need outdoor gear because they're going to just be on their device and not worried about what's outside. Um, and I remember I proposed the, this whole new job and I was so excited. And then that was like a long time ago, but like the financial markets just, it was like the mortgage crisis, everything just dropped, the bottom dropped out of everything. And I just sat and was sad, but you know, I also loved what I was doing at that, at that time, which was uh, store design. So I was in the visual merchandising field. And, uh, you know, I think it was maybe six months later, she brought me into the office and said, let's do it. You know, maybe you just have to wait and be patient for when the time is right. Um, because I think that real change and, you know, systemic change needs to happen. And it's not going to happen on an immediate time frame for every company. So just being patient, being, uh, con you know, consistent and being, you know, just working hard for what you truly believe is right and for what you love and uh, making sure that you work for an organization that you feel values, that your values align with, because otherwise I think that's a recipe for disaster. You drew, uh, well, when you were talking about the political nature of things, 
I wish we could replace that term, you know, especially within organizations with influence or persuasion, because I, a lot of the work I do with some of my clients, you know, who have a bit of a resistance to stepping up or speaking up is, is the fear of being perceived as political or not wanting Mm -hmm. to buy into what they perceive and probably rightly so is political. But this idea that if you're, you know, political or you're manipulative, it's, it's doing what you want to get done in order to gain, whereas, you know, the other folks wind up losing. And I feel like if we replace that mindset with persuasion or influence, which is that it's good for you and it's okay if it's good for me, or it's good for the world. And it's also good for our bottom line. And, and that sort of abundant or, um, and mentality versus, but, mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, how that shows up as, as leaders and, and watching companies who successfully make that happen, I think is, is absolutely where we need to go. And, and some of the things you talked about, you know, collaboration and understanding who you're speaking to and the empathy and the trust and the low self-orientation and, and the ability to, to truly want to understand those are, those push us both individually to grow and then collectively to, to make the, the organization shift for the better. Mm-hmm. So you worked, you worked at North Face, you work currently for Live. Uh, anybody else that is in your past that you feel like were, were companies or, or leaders that you worked for that were pretty influential in you? Well, when I was at the North Face, uh, you know, the, president at the time, Steve Rendell, was a great leader, and he was very um, influential in getting that um, outdoor participation, or is now called outdoor exploration program going. He, he believed in it, and uh, he also believed in his employees and supported uh, the ideas that came to him, which was something that I always appreciated. Uh, when Steve moved up in the ranks to, uh, to be the um, president or to be the CEO of uh, BF Corporation, Todd Spoleto became the president. And he is one of the best leaders I've ever worked with. Um, and I always, I can give you two examples of, of situations where this was demonstrated. And I think it just really tells you how, how, great he was to um, have at the top of, of the organization. Um, one is that I had an employee who was on a, a trip and they happened to be on the same flight. Uh, and it was a Southwest flight. She was on the very far back of the plane. He was at the front of the plane. And she came up to me the next day at work and she was like, you're never gonna believe this. I got off the plane and Todd was there waiting for me. To me, that just speaks to the way he treats his employees as if, you know, he is such a kind human, um, but also he's not going to run off. He's going to be polite and he's going to be there. And to, to me, that just spoke to me in, you know, in a way that is hard to explain. But to me, it demonstrated a leadership quality that um, I see is lacking in other parts um, of the world, let's say. And it's, it's really that um his emotional intelligence and his desire to 
be a part of and not be an other than or better than, you know, a new employee. Because, you know, when you get off a plane, you want to get home. Yeah. And I think another thing it demonstrates is what you do when no one's really watching and mm-hmm. who you are when, you know, there's, there's no reason to do it other than that's just who you are. And yeah. I think that that's a good example of that. And I think, you know, when, when folks lead companies from that perspective, it's, you know, you wind up with people who 100% choose to follow you and, and, and you don't have to lead. It's just, they're very motivated to, to go wherever you are going. <clears throat> that's great. Um, anybody else that was in your, in your world or any companies that were formative, because obviously you've been a, you've been a successful leader in the outdoor industry for a while now. And I think there's a, there's a lot of folks who, you know, would wonder potentially how, how does one make that happen? How, how do you get into these positions and, um, and what are the things that, that maybe you think are must haves and then, and, and maybe what are maybe some, you know, maybe assumptions that maybe aren't true. Great question. You know, one thing I've been thinking more about lately is, you know, it's not about finding the perfect job description because what I've noticed on my team is we find the right people and then the job description will sort of ebb and flow based on the team uh, expertise and who comes aboard and who has different strengths. I'm a big believer in like the strengths finder assessment and really doing some offsite assessment, team building exercises where we can really bond as a team and better understand how the how each of us works, thinks and connects. Uh, so, you know, I think for my team, it's great that we're all willing to, you know, not have these strict uh, job descriptions and, uh, you know, when we recognize like, oh, you know, Ashley's great at execution. Why don't we have Ashley take on this task? And then another employee who's really focused on strategy can, you know, be in the place where she shines. Uh, that's been how, as a leader, I've really evolved sort of my thinking as opposed to like, oh no, we need to find this person who, are, who has these skills. Instead, you can find someone who's the right fit or has skills that you know are lacking from your team and really um, bring the team uh, together and and focus on how to better um, align the different, uh, I guess, workflows that happen from there. Uh, as far as other leaders, did you want me to go into that specifically well, I, or more how? You know, you can take it wherever. And I realize I, as I do with everybody in these podcasts, I wound up asking six questions at the same time. But, um, <laughs> but one of the things I just heard before you keep going is, is, is being emotionally intelligent, both as a leader and then as an up and comer, it feels like that is, I mean, all the research shows that that is a superpower and and will trump IQ in every situation over time. But it's one of the things I get to work with folks a lot on is to either increase their EQ or to remember to use it. But it sounds like from your perspective, both as a leader and then also if anybody coming up is is know yourself, be a keen observer of other people, learn to, learn to really be... Um, astute in understanding how people work? I think it really helps uh, 
understanding your team really well, because in that case, you know sort of how to best uh, set up expectations and also how to uh, navigate any situation that comes up. If you know you have a team member who is really focused on input and needs, really wants to know everything that's going on, even though you think it's, you know, too many emails, uh, you know, you can really cater to each team member in a way that makes each of them shine, feel seen and valued. And also um, just to know that they're feeling that they're in, in a flow that feels right to them. Uh, I, I really, you know, think that team, like teamwork in the sense of working on your team, like the work we did with you and the work that we've done with outside facilitators or the work we did taking surf lessons and just having fun together, you know, all that really is important to um, creating the best atmosphere um, for work and to accomplish more because of that trust uh, that you've built. I love what you just said, and it never really dawned on me is, you know, the term teamwork always brings to mind this collaborative approach to solving problems, but, but it, there's the work that you take on in order to, to be a team and to be a functioning team. So I guess in some level, I'm in the business of, of teamwork. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I never thought about it. Thank you, Brooke. Um, so yeah, back to the the two questions I asked you, if there are other leaders or other other experiences that you really felt like were pivotal, and if not, um, you can get back into. I think what's really important for some folks to hear is any other sort of tips, tricks, or or ways to to break that trail. Um, obviously, it's different for everybody, but hearing from someone who's done it in a couple of different times could be pretty interesting. So take it wherever you want on those two categories. Yeah, I think if I had advice for people who want to get, uh, you know, get noticed or get in the door, um, I think it's really about being a hard worker and not having shame about creating or accepting a role that you feel is below you or beneath you. Because I really believe that if you can get your foot in the door at an organization and you're a hard worker, and then you keep demonstrating that by being passionate and by bringing new ideas to the table and uh, spending your time uh, really trying to sort of embody the brand that you're working for uh, in ways that you know can be seen by um, everyone from uh, you know the executives on down and I think passion and really hard work those that combination you can't really beat there's no shortcut in my mind um, you know, when I got my, got, uh, the job at the, at the North face, you know, I was so excited. Um, and I loved working for the conservation Alliance as a volunteer. And it just so happened, I'd been doing that already. And then I show up at an event at the outdoor retailer show where I'm like a very visible volunteer for this organization that the North face started and all the executives are there like, wait, what are you doing here? And it's like, oh, I volunteer for this organization. And they're like, oh, you know, it's like, it's the way to be noticed by um, any company is if, if your values align and, you know, you want to volunteer for an organization or for a cause that's meaningful to the brand, um, that would also be a way to sort of show your dedication, um, you know, 
it was sort of sort of funny, but one of the coolest things that ever happened to me was in 2009, I got the Living the Brand Award from the North Face. And that had to do with, um, you know, living the brand uh, ideals, I guess, around getting out, getting more people outdoors, you know, being very, I don't even remember because that was, let's just admit it, that was a long time ago. But I did get to go to Nepal for five weeks and uh, help teach at the Kumbu Climbing School. That was my reward. Like, hello, that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I think doing things that no one's willing to do is is pretty good way to get noticed. And I think, I don't remember if it was advice someone gave me or something I came up with on my own. It wasn't a new, it wasn't a, you know, invented thought, but um, it just dawned on me one day that if I really want to get into a role or a company, show up and offer to do whatever it takes for free, whether that's interning, whether that's shadowing, whether that's, you know, um, some job no one wants to do. And, you know, I think that there's, there's value in that for sure, because it shows people your dedication, your grit, your willingness, your passion, your values. And then it is very important, I think over time to make sure that you continue to push yourself up and to grab opportunities that show that you are ready for the next step and to not stay mm-hmm. in a place where, I mean, it's, you know, it's nothing is beneath us, but it's also important to go the other way too. And to realize that you know, I, now I'm ready for something more. And there was a, you know, a phrase, uh, a wise man once told me, he said, you know, when you're talking about what your salary should be, you have to keep in mind, if you tell people that you'll work for $10 an hour, that's what they're going to pay you. Even mm-hmm. if they're willing to pay somebody else $100,000 an hour. And again, having worked many jobs that were very low paying and were, you know, of all sorts of, uh, caliber and ridiculousness, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta start there, but you also have to realize when you've, when you've arrived and you have to be willing to grab and ask for what it is that you're worth. And to really keep, keep in mind what your value is. And I think that, um, you know, regardless of which generation you're from, there's, there's a need to be willing to walk through that snowbank that's up to your waist. Mm-hmm. And there's also a need to, to, to say, no, I deserve, or I've earned more. And I think that that's a, that's a good distinction too, mm-hmm. is nobody deserves anything. It's what you've earned. And if you've earned it, you need, yeah. to, you need to go for it. That's a really good point. And, you know, it's hard to do, especially if you're really willing, like you said, work for free, I'll do anything, you know, um, but also knowing your value and asserting your value and not being afraid to, uh, ask for what you truly believe it is what you're worth. Uh, you know, I have a lot of conversations with athletes in negotiations and, you know, the first thing I say is I will never try to get you at a bargain. Whatever I offer you is what I have available. And it, and if it is less than what you feel you are worth then I then don't take it it's you know I don't want to get you at a bargain that's to me that's just really I mean yeah that's that would be a shitty thing to to do is like oh great I can get that athlete for what price it's like no they're going to give you your their blood sweat and tears 
you want to make sure, especially as female athletes in the cycling space, you want to pay them a living wage and also what they're worth. And you never want to, I never want to, you know, undervalue a human being because that's, that's just not okay. And that's, I'm not comfortable with that. And it's interesting to have those conversations where it's like, well, what will you pay? What can you pay? And it's like, what we've already asserted the value that, and I, I don't feel comfortable, you know, going, you know, get giving you less than what you're worth, you know, maybe next year we'll have more in the budget and we can revisit the conversation, but it's interesting because that is sort of, it can be uncomfortable, uh, but at times you have to both assert your value and then um, not try to get people at a bargain. Because I think that just sows uh, seeds of discontent. It's a really, really important thing to consider on both sides of the negotiation table, uh, whether you are in a more traditional company and you're advocating for a promotion or you are the one who is the one in charge of giving the promotion or whether you're an athlete in the scenarios you're describing. Mm -hmm. And also some of the work I've done with, with athletes on helping them to be, to bring value outside of their physical sport. And while they're currently Mm -hmm. in their athletic career, as well as when they move into the next phase of their career, that may be more, you know, in a corporate setting, but understanding, you know, how you define your value, how you can be thinking uh, about what's valuable to the other and, and creating mm-hmm. that win-win negotiation where it's like, of course, you know, I, I want to earn what it is that I've, that I'm getting. And I know that you need to see the value and I'm trusting that you are looking at me as not a, a bargain deal. And, and, and together if we both take those, those perspectives, we'll figure out the win-win. And I think that that, that, that perspective, hopefully, can make those uncomfortable conversations a little more comfortable because it's very normal. Uh, it's very normal to, to want to be treated and advocating for yourself at the highest level. And, um, and I think it's very clear when, when you're talking with someone who will treat you that way, how different it actually feels. It, it cuts mm-hmm. through all the noise or the, you know, the potential uh, lack of transparency, et cetera. And uh, it reminds me of a little bit of a, of a phrase somebody threw at me when I was first starting my, my very first business back in Jackson Hole. And it was a piece of advice that somebody said, look, when you're out there doing your job, people are going to potentially come up to you and, and ask you for discounts. And what you should say to them, Aaron, is, look, you are my friend. And I am not going to give a discount to you because if it was your business, I would want to pay you full price because I want you to succeed. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so if I choose to give you a discount for whatever reason, it's, it's an exception. And that's not to say that I wouldn't give deals or help friends out or family for sure. I would do it all the time, but when, it's always awkward when you're in those positions of someone expecting that because of the previous relationship mm-hmm. or the favors, et cetera. And it's like, no, maybe at the baseline, it's like, we want each other to succeed. So let's support each other. And we can figure out another way to, to maybe, uh, to make it a little bit easier, a little cheaper, uh, but doesn't have to be at the expense of our business. Yeah, that's great. And I, I think that 
especially when you start a new business, whatever that may be, you want to, you know, make sure that you're clear with, you can't do it all for free or otherwise it's not really a business, it's like a nonprofit. Completely. So you are planning on coming back to the mainland uh, in, in April <laughs> at some point. And what are the next, say, six months looking like for you guys as a family and, and on the work front? Well, the family uh, life will be very consolidated. Uh, we won't have our own tents. We'll have our house. And so my daughter is going to be distance learning through the end of the school year. And we hope we will have help. So we're looking for help. Um, and then this summertime, uh, my husband who works at Patagonia, their um, child care program is, is coming back online, which is so exciting. I can't tell you how excited I am. <laughs> I have an only child who never has anyone to play with and all she wants is COVID to be over so that she can play with her friends again. And um, no, it's been hard to parent during COVID because, you know, it's, it's heavy. It's also, there's a lot of just anxiety in the world. Um, and we all feel it and she feels it. Uh, but also, you know, this will be her second COVID birthday party and she has dream, all these dream parties in her mind. Uh, but, you know, I'm excited to get back to the house and to, you know, see what is allowed in our local area for getting outdoors, but reacquainting myself with the local trails. Uh, we, had got, we have this little puppy uh, that we got um, right before we left. She's a, a deaf blue healer. And so she's been uh, very, uh, we've been training her, but she is pretty high maintenance. And so I'm excited to see her back at our, at our house. And so I think a, a lot of focused family time, probably a little bit more um, yoga as much as I can. Um, even though I have a beautiful rooftop here where I do my yoga, uh, I love doing yoga in the park. And so I'll be um, doing that more. Uh, but riding bikes and just, I guess, what else? I don't really know yet. I haven't thought that, that far ahead. Um, I am looking this year to finish uh, a 200-hour training uh, with my favorite yoga teachers who I took my acro vinyasa training through. Um, don't know what that would look like, but I'm just putting that out there into the universe as something I hope to do. Um, and I'm also looking to sort of launch a, a blog or lifestyle brand that has sort of um, some elements of Baja and what I love about this place as part of it, uh, as well as um, I've, I've turned one of my um, habits into hopefully what could be a, a vocation at some point, which is photography. And I focus on um, cacti and um, just all of the great uh, succulents and plants down here in the desert. I really am inspired by all of the, um, the beauty that surrounds me. And so I've, I've really developed an eye for uh, a certain type of, um, you know, certain subject of photography that I'm gonna continue to explore. Just getting started. But those are my two things that I kind of have my toes in the water uh, looking at right now. That's perfect. So you finish that yoga certification, get your side hustle going. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it sounds like that property you guys just in, invested into is, is going to take some time and, and you'll be building that out too. Is that right? 
Yeah, so currently um, the property has already bathrooms and showers and a big garage and uh, there's just no structures to live in. So uh, we have gone in with some partners and we're just, you know, one of my partners has an Airstream that's gonna put a Palapa over. We'll likely build a small structure because we don't really need a bathroom or kitchen because we're gonna have um, communal kitchens, uh, really cool, like a two-story kitchen with a kitchen on top overlooking the Sea of Cortez. And then below it will be just a, a hangout space. And then I'm looking for where the yoga shala will go. So I'd like to eventually have more yoga retreats down here. Um, I do have a yoga retreat planned. It's been pushed a couple times, but for uh, February of 2022. So that's another thing I have my my eye on that I've been working towards. Amazing. Well, the next time I'm surfing the East Cape, I will uh, I will come a knocking, uh, sitting on a rooftop deck and looking at the Sea of Cortez. Sounds pretty nice. Yeah, that you're welcome to do so. There's lots of space. Fantastic. Well, Brooke, I want to thank you for your time today and all of the things you shared. It was a pleasure to spend some time with you chatting and I wish you and the family a smooth transition back to California and the rest of 2021. I hope it goes very smoothly for you compared to this last year we've all had. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope that too. And thanks again for, for having me. It's great to see you virtually and hopefully I'll see you in person in the not so distant future. Sounds good. Enjoy the rest of your day. Awesome. Thank you.